Hello, hello, and welcome to a victorious pick and play show. We got Leo, your pal Gordo. We're going to break down what we saw in week six. I got a four and out segment we're going to run. We're going to look forward into week seven. Not a whole lot to look for in week seven. Kind of a poo-poo slate, but we'll call out the highlights and tell you what you should take a look at. Let's kick it off. Plot shows like robberies, in and out, one, two, three, nobody's please. Run the cash and you won't get a wet sweatshirt. The mic is the shoddy, nobody moves, nobody get hurt. Bring heat like the boy don't go on the wall. Came in the door, and everybody on the floor. Alright, week six, Leo, there were two big matchups for each one of our teams. The Los Angeles Chargers were coming to Baltimore, and the Buffalo Bills were gonna take their wagons and drive into the music city. Uh both teams got beat we handled it we both our teams are victorious this week how do you feel after that monday nighter bit of a nail biter buffalo bills inexplicably going fourth and one you got to be on top of the world oh man i was the happiest person ever on monday night i really didn't think that the titans were going to pull this one out and it it wasn't because i didn't you know believe in the offense i I thought that they would be able to score just the defense i didn't think we'd be able to get any stops and uh, they really didn't get many stops (laughs) one right one when it counted most in in typical titan fashion man I, i was on top of the world hey derrick henry i told you if he goes for 2k yards again i'm gonna call him the goat i feel like he's gonna do it I think he's easily going to pass 2K. You know, before the season, we talked about him having 2,500 yards, 25 touchdowns. We talked about a world beater. Uh, He is a world beater right now. He always has been. Um, Is it a little alarming for you how the passing game, though, just has not taken off at all? Yeah, I feel like the Titans receivers are to blame for that, though, because I've seen on more than that. I don't know the exact stats, but I would guess that Tannehill is probably towards the top of the league in drops because this team has been they have not been doing good with the contested ball. Uh, So they need to get right. But in the second half of that game, it looked like A.J. and Tannehill finally recaptured some of that magic. Uh, They finally started moving the, the ball down the field. And that's ultimately the reason why they won. You know, Derrick Henry, he had a great game and, and he had you know great contribution with I think 130 yards and three touchdowns. But they lose that game if AJ and, and Tannehill don't finally get it together there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it looks like the Tennessee Titans are ninth in drops this year. Baltimore Ravens at seven. I don't really know how they quantify a drop because I think the Ravens had seven in just the Detroit game. Um, this is, of course, NBC Sports. I'll look for a better stat, someone that actually has a reputable background in sports besides NBC. Uh, we'll see what we can find as we continue with this pod. I thought that the Buffalo Bills, uh, there are some games in football where an offense just doesn't look like it's it's getting itself together. That's really what it felt like for me with the Bills. You would have drives where they would go eight plays down the field and score a touchdown. They didn't have drives where nothing looked right. It was a real weird, weird placement for them. Uh, they get down there at the end of the game. They go for it on fourth and one. I got to be honest. I'm a pretty pro-analytic person. What? Just let's walk through that scenario. You're down there at the goal line. You are down three. Okay. You have 22 seconds left on the clock. I think the four first, if they got the first down, I think that only put him at like, uh, the you know, that would put him at like the five or six, right? That wasn't like a, now you're on the one. That, that No, no, it, they were dead. They would have been about on the one had they converted it. 
Okay, so let's say you convert that, right? Here's a couple things that are going to happen. The clock is going to immediately start ticking with Josh Allen at the bottom of a pile. So you're going to get the first down. You only have one timeout. You're going to get yourself together, 22 seconds on the clock. Let's say a conservative eight seconds run off the clock before you you do what? You re-hike it and you, snap and, you, and you spike it, right? Like you'd have to spike it. You need to get the clock stopped. You need to get another play in. So you call that first, that, that you call that run. You get the first down. Now 10 seconds, let's say eight seconds run off the clock, You and then you snap it. Really, it's going to be 10 seconds, and then you snap it. You snap it, and now you're down to 12 seconds. So you have a first down from the five, 12 seconds, and a timeout. I guess the goal is to take one or two shots at the end zone there. I just don't really see a ton of upside here. Like, they're both. it seemed like both sides, everyone was content with going with it on the fourth and one, and I feel like I'm on an island. I think that was absolutely crazy Stupidville. They should have like, kicked I that field goal. I think it was goal. fucking Stupidville. 100% they should have kicked that field goal. As a Titans fan, I was sitting there thinking, man, if this goes to overtime, the Bills are going to win because the Titans haven't been able to stop them all day. I also think, uh, in part, it's kind of bad scouting on the part of the Bills because the Titans over the last, like, two seasons haven't been a very strong defense. They're, you know, bend, don't break is what they what they say. Yeah. But the goal line, uh, inside the five-yard line, that is the one area where the defense shines. That Consistently, they do a great job defending the goal line. And we saw it multiple times in this game where uh, they got forced into field goals, you know, down inside the 10-yard the line. So uh, I just thought that was a poor decision. I know all the analytics people are saying, yeah, you got to go forward right there. You got to trust your offense. Uh, I, I thought that that was a bad call. They should have kicked it. You know, if you go to overtime and the Titans get the ball first and come down and score, then you just live with that. But that offense was on fire. I, I, I really I have no answer for going for it there. When they went for it, I was like, this is fucking dumb. I mean, you're going to leave yourself 12 seconds, maybe. What happens if you leave yourself those 12 seconds and Josh Allen gets sacked? Now you have to use the timeout and you have worse field goal position? I understand that analytics are built entirely off of potential. But there is a, and this is where analytics go wrong, there was still enough bad outcomes from that play left in the game that I, I don't care what anyone tells me. Now, you want to talk to me about the situation of, like, Lamar and the Ravens against Kansas City where there's a minute and 12 on the clock, and if you don't get the first down, you're going to give Mahomes a minute to go down the field? That's different. Giving Ryan Tannehill um, 14 seconds to go downfield is a lot different than giving Mahomes a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's so just a little I, bit. A little bit. And it's like, come the fuck on here. Play for overtime, crunch down on basically saying, look, if we don't, if we lose the coin flip, we're just going to sell out on te the Tennessee Titans not getting in the end zone. We're going to play this strictly to get them down into about the 40 to 30 and then tighten on them and then turn around and we're going to get the ball back and score. Or, you know, you go for it late there if you're down three. Just there weren't enough odds to really work it out. I don't understand it. I think it was the worst call of the week. Um, I, I think that they should be scolded more for it. In today's world, we seem to praise these decisions when they go wrong because, well, the math works. There are 16 games, in the, 17 games in the NFL season. This is not a baseball series. Odds do not have to play out. They never have to play out. 
They're, they they can when people talk about things oh well they're more likely to regress to the mean the nfl has more turnover on its roster than any other sport so to sit here and be like well you know they were really good in plus minus turnovers last year that probably doesn't work out this year well it's probably a different fucking team so i think you know, when you're looking at these analytics and you want to put them on top of each other year over year what baseball and the NBA offer you is 82 games and 162 games. Football doesn't offer that wide sample size in order to bring your averages together to be meaningful. What this did do, however, was completely solidify the Ravens at the top of the AFC. Oh, here we go. So that's what this analytics did. Now, we just beat the ever-loving shit out of the Chargers. One Lamar bad play, and it was a bad play. Um, he stared down Bateman, wanted him so bad, then threw it right to the linebacker. That was the only play that led to a score for the Chargers, and they missed the extra point. So I, I'm thankful you guys whipped up on them. You have te- you have Kansas City this week. You guys may be the most uh, like when we look at the Tennessee Titans after next week. If you win, and you're capable of beating anybody. If you win, you will have lost to the Jets in humiliating fashion and then turned around and beaten the Tennessee Titans and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. I, what a fucking weird world. That's, that's typical Titans, honestly. They get up for the big games and then, you know, they get a little cocky when they think they should win. Uh, it's been this way the entire time under variable. Yeah, it is a variable trait. Uh, let's transition over to the Ravens real quick. Uh, the Ravens really didn't even need to do much in this game. The running game was far superior, unstoppable with a bunch of no names. Oh, wait, no, they're not no names. They are 2017 All-Stars, really been out of the league for most of them and irrelevant for the last four years. And now they come back and Bell gets a touchdown. Murray gets a touchdown. This whole thing's going nuts. Lamar doesn't have a great game. He has two picks because at the very end of the game when nothing mattered, Rashad Bateman dropped a ball and it rolled in. A defensive player made an incredible diving catch to snag the ball before it hit the ground. So great job by them. Uh, The Ravens roll from this game now sitting atop of the AFC. Any takeaways from this game? We're a long way away from week one when you thought the sky was falling, huh? I thought the sky was falling against uh, Indy. (laughs) I mean, look, we're... I'm not far away from this, and and the Ravens aren't that far away from a team that was kind of teetering. Now when you look at it, you're an overtime win away from the Raiders to being undefeated. Uh, You did basically, you know, a lot of people are pointing to the Detroit game and going, well, isn't that lucky? And I I got news for you, it's not. Um, As crazy as it sounds, we should have been way ahead in that game the whole way. Is it lucky we won? No, we have the best kicker of all fucking time. If I tell you the best kicker of all time kicked a 66-yard field goal, you'd probably be okay with that. Yeah, I'm 100% so, okay with it. Right. So, you know, it's not like the Tucker was a player that the Ravens stumbled on, right? They've had him for years. So I think a perspective on that is this is a team that can beat you a lot of ways. I'm big on the Ravens now from an offensive perspective. Bad news is Ronnie Stanley is not coming back this year. Our left tackle had season-ending surgery on an ankle that really looked like we brought him back a little too soon. He gave it a go, wasn't ready. Big guy needs his ankle. But for reference, the Ravens have the most players on IR in the NFL. That's their start 
starting left tackle, uh, starting middle linebacker, one of their starting corners, both of their starting running backs, just for you know a few to name the the key starters on the team all out this year the Ravens are still five and one this is a big hat tip for me to John Harbaugh there are a lot of people that talk shitty about John Harbaugh that really don't know fuck all about fuck all you don't get five and one in the NFL on a team where your left tackles out your, your, your current left tackle Andrew Villanueva the Pittsburgh Steelers wanted out of town as fast as possible for good reason looked like a stone man for a while there seems to be limbering up you lost a lot of players this team's really good and Bateman coming back gives you a little buffer where you didn't expect it the Ravens have been scouring every single every single free agent or waiver wire practice squad lineman in the NFL right now is getting scooped up by the Ravens and tried out we'll see how it does both our teams riding high uh out of week six and into week seven any other thoughts that caught your eye um for week six bateman bateman you hit the nail on the head I, I finally you know I, in the off season we said we can't wait to see what lamar looks like with what we think could be a true number one receiver this was his debut right this was his very first game yep Yep. All right. So, what'd you think about how yep. he looked? Because I, you know, I thought he looked decent for his first NFL game. He was good. He was he was good. He was what you kind of want. Um, he was a uh, possession receiver who showed a little movement, looked fluid in the offense, looked really confident uh, in doing what he was doing. He did have that drop at the end of the game. Something we'll keep an eye on. But to me. There was enough good. He played what four? I think they said he played like forty-five snaps or something on offense. So he was out there all the time. This is a guy I think needs a little more meat on his bone. I really think again he could use a little more size. That always happens in the NFL. People coming from college they need to put on five ten pounds of muscle. Really like what I saw though overall out of him. If he's a possession receiver who's going to win contested balls, then as a as a Raven fan here, I'm gonna, I'm going to be pretty fucking happy. Uh, with who we got and the offense could use a new element if Rashad Bateman turns into a player which looks like he he's he's at least going to be somebody on that field then your big three of Bateman Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews it's going to open things back up for Andrews Nick Boyle is coming back so he's going to take more blocking assignments so Mark Andrews doesn't have to I really think that this Ravens team as long as it doesn't take any more big injuries which Again, we have the most on IR, so it's possible. I think this team is set up for a lot of success. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited. I, I, you're right, and I hate that you're right. You know, I found myself this weekend looking at the Ravens dominating the Chargers and just kind of rubbing my temples like, ah, here we go again. Like, they figured it out. <laughs> I, I'm not yeah. happy about it. I don't want to see it, but it's inevitable. <laughs> yeah, it's inevitable. They're a well-run organization. That's the truth. And Lamar Jackson's a freak. So, you know, we won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. We won a Super Bowl <laughs> with Trent Dilfer. Like, this is the truth. We won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer. We won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. I love Joe Flacco, but I rewatched some of his film, and it's tough to look at. When you look at Lamar, you're like, I have, you know, you got to have faith. And, and the thing is with the NFL is it's tough. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. You go from winning a Super Bowl to contending in a Super Bowl to – I mean, they're staring down the very real barrel of losing this week to the Tennessee Titans and going three and four, and then essentially losing to all four of the top teams in the AFC. So it's a tough fucking road in the NFL, and to be consistent every year, uh, t- t- 
it takes a lot of effort. Um, I did want to bring up one thing. There was a scoregami for those of you at home that keep that the Los Angeles Rams beat the New York Giants 38 to 11. Uh, that is a scoregami. Never happened before in the NFL. So kind of interesting. Wanted to call that out. That's not something that I keep track of or even really uh, care about per se. But anytime I see that that's the first time, you know, anytime I see scoregami, I'm always surprised. Like, yeah. There's been a lot I know, of football. It's weird. I know. And the fact that they like there's a new score like a couple times a year is like, well, that's fucking weird. Um, so, you know, just an interesting call it out. I will I will say what a sick fucking thing the NFL is. I, I just want to talk about how insane this is. Did you wake up Sunday morning and watch the uh, London game? No, no. I was extremely hungover Sunday morning. Okay. Oh, you were in San Diego. That's right. I was. Or Cali, I should say, right? Yeah, we'll talk about that at the end of the pod. You went out and saw my brother. Nice nice time. Uh, but the NFL basically woke everyone up on Saturday, Sunday morning and said, here you go, Dolphins-Jaguars. Now, if that wasn't insulting enough, and it was pretty fucking insulting, they made the Sunday night game, the Sunday night game, Seattle and Pittsburgh, which had Geno Smith and Ben Roethlisberger, who is terrible. Uh, yeah. The NFL, the NFL bookended a gorgeous NFL slate with the Dolphins, Jaguars, Seattle, Pittsburgh, and the truth is, it was delicious. It was. It's sick. I was just going to say to you, I was in the airport when the when the Steelers and Seahawks were playing, and I was super into the game. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> it's sick, dude. It's disgusting. There's no reason this should be the way it is, and it always is. I mean, they put ugly games beginning to end, and everyone watched them all the way through. And the fucking audacity of this organization, the Seahawks and Steelers went to overtime. Yes. They went to overtime. Yes, Fuck all. By the end of the game, I, mean, I was standing. Is... I was standing up. There's no reason for me to be standing up at the end of that game. No. No, it's insane. The NFL is a sick. You have nothing to cheer or root against in that game. And and I do cuz the Steelers. But I mean, fuck off. And it's still a I I literally on Saturday nights now at 10 o'clock, I stop drinking. I stop drinking because I have to get up about an hour and a half before the game starts, start looking at the spread, start looking at who's in or out, taking a look at my NFL day. So I stopped drinking when there's London games. And it took me all the way through Sunday. I, I watched, I was up at 8, 8.30. I was in front of the TV with it on, ready to go. And at fucking 12.05, I'm turning it off when the game ends. It's, it's a long 13, time. They just got a grip hours. on us. They got a grip on us because hours. I, I won't leave my couch on Sunday. Uh, you know, pussy doesn't have this kind of control. <laughs> <laughs> this is some sinister shit. You know, it's sinister. Uh, you, hey, we're gonna we, let's go take some pictures in a pumpkin patch. Now I'm gonna sit right here for thirteen. Hours. And are you kidding? And you'll 16. be offended too. Are you kidding me? Like I have to are watch these games. Me? No, I'm not going to the pumpkin like, patch. Yeah. And and my girl's like, but you're talking about how these teams suck. I'm like, yeah, they suck, but I'm going to watch it. Yeah, well, how I, dare I need you? every bit of it, though. How dare you? Of course it sucks. How dare you think that means I don't like it? <laughs> it's not true at all. It's not true. So sick thing the NFL's got. Um, I want to, I wanna, before we kind of take go into here in the, the four and out, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out a little soapbox I do from time to time. Ooh. And I I'm gonna I'm gonna stand on an island here that needs more people on it. I'm real sick of people trying to take fans out of sports. And and let me explain. I don't know if you watch college football, but there was a game between Old Miss and the Tennessee Volunteers. This game has a little background. There's some depth to it. Lane Kiffin, the head coach of Ole Miss, used to be in Tennessee. There was a huge falling out. Tennessee fucking hates this guy. This was a big game for the Rebels, who were ranked. It was a chance for Tennessee to kind of say they're not a bad team this year. They may be down, but they're not bad. They checkered at their stadium, which is beautiful, by the way. And again, fans do this. Where the Tennessee colors, white and orange, like a creamsicle. Um, they checker their entire stance. So you're either in a white section or an orange section, and you're wearing those colors, so the whole stadium is done up beautifully. Again, that's not made possible without fans. Now, at the end of this game, the officiating, the officiating ruins this game. Horrible calls, slow pace, basically everything going against Tennessee. At the end of this game, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back happens, and the Tennessee fans can't take it anymore. They rain down garbage on the field. <laughs> oh, really? They, they rain garbage down. And I have to let everyone know something. This is perfectly acceptable behavior. It's college perfectly football. Let those kids let them live. It's sports. It happened in Cleveland. Remember a long time ago when Cleveland rained bottles down on the refs after they came out with a yes, review? Yes, yes, um, I do. And yes, it, you know what? That's fans. If you fuck off and don't do a good job, which you didn't do refs in both games, guess what? When you piss 60,000 people off, they're allowed to piss on you. You are not free to go about this country making mistakes and ruining people's day. People are horribly emotionally invested in this. I, I don't understand why people want to then say, oh, boo, shame on the fans. No, every single article should be written what a poor job the officiating was. Every single solitary one should be talking about that. Stop coming after fans for reacting appropriately. Stop it. I should be able to pelt you in the fucking head if you come out and can't do your job. Mind you, you only have to do your job for like six, like 12 times a year. You can't get it right. You have all the technology in the world. I'm a fan. Stop coming after me. Stop limiting the alcohol I drink after the seventh inning because, well, then you've got to drive. That's on me. That is on me. Stop telling me I can't get a beer after halftime at a football game. You do a better job of getting your shit in order. I need people to get out of the way of fans. Stop trying to take fans out of the game. Stop trying to make this a less fun environment. It's chaos. It's emotional. It's sports. You flash back to the beginning of sports and we were cutting each other's heads off. We've progressed pretty fucking far. Stop taking the fun out of it for fans what happened with the ratings last year we were in covid we're in covid now all these sports saw a huge decline it was literally because people weren't going to the games it's insane but you keep trying to take the fans out of the game and it's irritating the fuck out of me and i'm going to take it a step further 
players who refuse to talk to the media, which is refusing to talk to fans, don't take questions. Yes, some of the questions are dumb. I got news for you. You don't get a fucking cent if no one cares about your sport. Get that through your head as a player. You are not a, a you know canning soup for Campbells. You are only getting paid because you put on a spectacle. People act like the players don't owe fans anything. You owe us everything. You are literally nothing without us. That is a fact. Without fans, players are bottling that can. That's a truth. You only have a job because of us. Stop acting like we're insignificant. We are the only reason you exist. Sporting authorities, stop taking away my alcohol after the seventh inning. I'm the only reason you fucking exist. Quit taking away things that make us fans. Fuck off. Get the fuck, get your head out of your ass, and get it together. We are fans. We're allowed to react emotionally. You think it's not emotional that I, you know, people have 17 jerseys? You kidding me? They're like $180 a pop. You got 19 for every player they draft. You think it's not emotional driving that? And you want to take that away from everyone. I do not get it. I fucking hate when people get on their soapbox. I fucking hate when people try to tell me what to do with my sports. This is this is a different world. This is sports. This is supposed to be what distracts me from all the other bullshits. I'm not talking about government, okay? Uh, there are There are rules. We have driver's licenses. I'm not rallying against any of that. What I am rallying against is the uppityness of these programs and sometimes athletes that act like fans don't exist. I'm putting a flag in now saying fans are the only reason you all are important and exist and we need to be treated with more respect. All right, I'm with you to a certain extent, but hold on. I think I, I, I have to draw the line personally at throwing stuff onto the field only because you could kind of create a safety issue. Like if you're throwing bottles at me, uh, like I could die. That's not cool, you know, but I'm with you on the rest of, of the sentiment, you know, let the fans live, let them have fun. And, and especially in college football, let kids be kids. Uh, I don't think that you should be throwing stuff onto the field, though. Uh, we've seen what happens when fans start throwing stuff on, onto the court or onto the field. Uh, I don't think we need another one of those situations. I, I don't look here's the thing he goes up into the stands there it's something we're talking about forever well, I mean it'd be it incredibly a, entertaining but I don't think that that's that's what they there's want. a risk reward with this shit you know what I want to see when the fans throw things I want to see the SEC officiating held responsible I don't want to act like it was the fans fault the truth is there's a cause and effect for everything you fuck that fan base over over and over and over again that game they had enough of it they let you know Lane Kiffin did them dirty as shit when he left Tennessee. They had had enough. I'm just saying that I think that you are entitled to do what you, you're right. If I'm trying to peg, you know, they got hit with a golf ball. Um, if I'm throwing trash on the field, I think it's different. If I'm throwing it on the field to throw it on the field, it's one thing. If I'm throwing it on the field to try to injure someone, you know, that's bad. I, I think there is a line there. But I, I really I really don't have a problem with it. And I go, if, if the cause and effect is there, I'm all about it. I'm all about fixing the cause. See, it's things like that, and then they turn and go, oh, we got to take your alcohol away. And I go, no, 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 just fix the officiating. If the officiating doesn't have a piss-poor game, isn't completely basically irritating the fans slowly but surely, if none of that happens, the fans don't lose their mind. 
the whole thing wasn't the fan base was liquored up. It's that your officials fucked this game up. Now, you blamed it on the fans. But the truth is, no one's taking it seriously enough to go after the root causes of these outbursts. We storm the field all the time. People could get trampled. It's way more dangerous to storm the field and throw things on it. Way more dangerous. People die Black Friday every single year by getting stampeded. I, I, and I don't see anything wrong with stampeding the vehicle. <laughs> so what you're saying is emotion. you're in favor of complete chaos if it's warranted. If it's warranted. And that's not chaos. Like, if your team beats – like, I think the best part about sports is celebrating these moments, you know. Uh, when if, if the Titans go to a Super Bowl, that whole run, you will be on top of the world. There's going to be almost nothing that's going to be able to take you down. Oh, no. No, like, I'll be on, on the highest of highs. That is a feeling so seldom, like, held by an individual – that, that emotion that lies within that feeling, we have to keep sacred. It is such a I will never forget where I was moment. It stuck with me. It's the feeling. Bad days, you can think back. I mean, you beating the Buffalo Bills, you were through the roof. I, I, I mean, how long was it till you came down? Oh, the rest of the night. And I was going off no sleep from the night before. I, you know, I, I can't really sleep on planes. And so uh, I was on E. My gas tank was empty. And as soon as Josh Allen hits that field and the ref says Titans ball, I, I ran across the house. I was screaming. And, you know, it's midnight. I'm waking everyone up. Yeah. There are a few moments that as a sports fan can be tough. I don't think we should do anything to curtail that as long. You know, I'm not condoning fans showing up and pelting the other team with shit. I am condoning the fact that if the the officials can't seem to officiate the game, that you can express your frustration with the nachos in front of you. That's my point. Throw a glass bottle at someone? No, 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 no. Throw a plate of nachos on the field? I'm okay with that. Yeah, I don't have any problem with you crumbling up your little hot dog wrapper and throwing it on the field. I don't want to see any bottles getting thrown, but, you know, if you got to throw that McDonald's wrap on there, I'm not mad at you. That's my point. I'm not talking about assault <laughs> you know, with a deadly weapon. I'm talking about your friend won't shut up across the table. You're sitting there eating. You've had enough, and you hit him in the head with a piece of trash. There's a different that's different, and I don't want to take away the emotion of sports. All right. For an out segment, got some questions for you. We'll run through and then we'll take a look at really a brief week seven slate. Uh, ready I'm to go? ready. Let's do it. All right. For an out segment, uh, which we've done a couple times here, I like to bring up some topics. Uh, I like to bring up some questions that maybe have you thinking in a different way or, or just kind of put a light on a stat that I think is important. And for this one, we're going to be talking about uh, the running game. And something that doesn't get talked about at all. So first question, which team is allowing the fewest yards per game on the ground? Mm, The Bills. The Bills are second. Number one is Tampa Bay with 54 yards. Ah, 54 points. I should have got that one. Pretty fucking low. Pretty fucking low. Uh, It's kind of funny. The next side of that is, and and this question is actually... If you were to tell me week six, going into week six, how this question looks and who the answer was, I would have really had to evaluate everything I thought in the offseason. Uh, which team is giving up the most points in the NFL? Ooh. Uh, the Bucks. 
it, it's actually Washington is giving up 31 points a game. Ooh. We talked a lot about in the preseason how we thought that offense, that defense would be good. Yeah, we thought that they They're were going to be elite. 30, What's going on over there? 31. They don't do anything well. The defensive line really just didn't take a next step, and the back end's been terrible. Number two on that list is Atlanta. Uh, for reference, the lowest team in the NFL, this is not part of four and out, but, but the lowest team in the NFL is the Buffalo Bills, giving up 16 points a game. Uh, pretty crazy. <laughs> that didn't uh, hold up on Monday, though. It did not hold up on Monday. Uh, and here's the thing. This is after Monday, so th- that 16 is with that game. Yeah, I think we talked about before um, that. Before the the KC game, we were talking about how they really hadn't played anyone, so they you know they had impressive no. defensive stats, but it was like, oh, who have they really played? And that bore out. Bore out. They lost. And good for them, and good for the Titans. All right, right now there are a. We talked about in the preseason how there would be a divide of talent in the NFL. How we thought there would be a lot of teams at the top. A lot of teams at the bottom, and then the amount of teams in the middle, there would be a discrepancy. Three clear layers of this cake, uh, and and here is one for you. How many teams do you think finish this season with 14 or more wins? Ooh, 14 or more? That would be a 14 and 3 record? 14 and 3. So if you're 4 and 2 right now, and you triple that, you're going to be... 12 and 6 so you're going to be you're going to have to really up it from there 14 win team I think that we are only going to have two two who do you think they over I think that the Cardinals will get to 14 and I think that the I don't want to say it (laughs) (laughs) I think that the Ravens could get to 14 and 2 as well or 14 and 3 as well I want to say the Cowboys as well because, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with three, actually. I'm going to go with the Cowboys as well because there's a lot of easy wins just in that division, uh, and they look good regardless of that. So, yeah, I'm going to go with three then. Yeah, so I've got four. I think Buffalo with their division is going to round back and have no problem getting in there. I think Dallas 100% is going to be there. I think the Ravens could be there. Uh, but I'm teetering between Green Bay, who's four, who's five and one right now with no one in their division, and the truth is Tampa Bay may as well. So, uh, I, you know, when I first looked at this, I was like, okay, I see four. When I reevaluated it, here are teams that are on pace right now if the season played out to do it. On pace for it. The Los Angeles Rams, the Arizona Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Baltimore Ravens are all on pace to do it. Six teams are on pace. We have teams like Buffalo that could get there, but you, we have six teams right now in the NFL that are on pace for 14 games. The Cardinals and Cowboys play each other in the second to last game of the season, uh, so maybe one of them will get knocked out of that 14-win range you know, in that game, but yeah, all, all these teams look elite and it's shaping up to be a very good playoffs. There's some really good teams in the league this year. No elite team, no dominant team, just maybe six or seven really, really fucking good teams. So the playoffs are going to be hot. On the flip side of that, how many teams do you think are going to finish with four or less wins? Um, there are... I'll go ahead and give you the ones that are on pace to do it right now. We just talked about how there would be this discrepancy between these, you know, five teams with four, six teams with 14 wins would would be pretty dramatic. I think that would look pretty crazy, six teams with 14 and three. On the flip side of that, we have 
the New York Jets at one and four, the Miami Dolphins at one and five, the Houston Texans at one and five, the Jacksonville Jaguars at one and five, the New York Jets at one and five, the Detroit Lions at zero oh and six. That is six teams again set for four or less than four wins. How many of those teams actually end up with less than four wins? Definitely the Lions. Yep. I'm going to say definitely the Texans. And Jacksonville? And Jacksonville as well. I'm trying to decide right now if I want to put the Jets in there. Yeah, I'm going to put the Jets in there. I got four teams. Yeah. Four. I, I, I'm going to say this. If Miami can't figure out a quarterback, they're going to be in there as well. I think Houston and Jacksonville both could be in. I, I'm I'm going to go five. I'm going to go five 14 win teams. I'm going to go five teams under four wins. But it, it is remarkable how the disparity that's that's being created. And everyone else is going to finish right in the fucking middle. So if you're not one of those teams we talked about, the amount of teams that you know are right around there, well, everyone else is technically two and four, uh, two and four, three and three, or four and two. But everyone's bunched in man how about miami man just sitting right there i know look hey we backed off them this year right we were on them last year we backed off them this year and and the big part of this was i didn't think Tua made any progression i didn't think he looked good i thought he was hurt he's hurt again this is not one year of him being hurt this is like year three of him being hurt including college that team has some weapons around him like People are upset about Waddle. Like, oh, we took Waddle. I'm like, you don't know what Waddle is. Now, Waddle looks You're pretty good in my Tua. opinion. You're stuck with Waddle and Brissett. Like, this is what you did. Like, you know what you did here. Now, I'm, I'm a little surprised the rest of the roster didn't get any additional talent in the offseason. Um, their defense has not been that great. They, they've been okay, but they've <laughs> – Miami has allowed – it's supposed to be a good defense – has allowed 177 points. 177. Which is more than the Jags and the Lions. It is the most in the AFC. It is tied with the Giants for the most in football. <laughs> How about that? We thought that the the Miami defense and the Washington defense would be pretty good this year. And uh, Washington's given up 186. Miami's given up yeah. 177. Yep. I yep. uh, swung and miss on that one missed the boat entirely <laughs> missed the boat entirely uh i think there's a couple teams that have given up in the low 100s and it looks like buffalo's given up 98 so if you look at buffalo washington's only given up, almost given up in six games 100 more points so just kind of a jumping board for those teams really didn't turn out too well all right last thing to really cover here is what's coming up in week seven uh there are a bunch of bye weeks. So a lot of people took a look at their uh, their FanDuel's, their uh, fantasy leagues, and they went, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo, Dallas, Jacksonville, Minnesota, the Los Angeles Chargers, and Pittsburgh all have a bye this week. So that's six good teams all have a bye. On top of that, players like Russell Wilson, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, uh, CMC, they're all out. 
So there's a lot of wounded, wounded people playing fantasy football right now. And that's something to keep in mind that the season's not over. If you're two and four right now, you can still get back into the playoffs. Everyone's going to have their down weeks. This is going to this week takes all the Minnesota players out, all the Chargers players out and all the Buffalo and Dallas players. There are four huge fantasy football teams all sitting on the sideline this week. So a lot of opportunity but what that actually does is leaves us like completely void of good football games and we're Lucky still gonna watch NFL it league. yeah oh we're gonna watch the fuck out of it <laughs> we're gonna watch the fuck out of it and the lucky thing is for us the only two good games this weekend have our teams in it so the browns and broncos are gonna play on thursday night football it has been announced that case keenum will be the starter as uh baker mayfield is out i actually like the i like the browns with case keenum uh over baker uh, Ooh. Uh, i spicy I do, I, extremely I, spicy I, I i know i said that i would only talk well about dave uh, uh, baker mayfield because um, lord baker I, yeah because i want him to get a contract extension but the truth is they have OBJ out there, the Browns do, and I think this could be like a feed the ever-loving fuck out of OBJ game. And I think that might be enough to beat a Broncos team that is really fucking wounded. I so, hope Baker Mayfield, and, and Bron- or I'm sorry, I hope Case Keenum does it because Baker Mayfield's just out here ignoring him, and I still don't understand what the fuck is going on over there in Cleveland. You, you've got a pretty solid receiver there, and I, I watch Baker just constantly look to the other side of the field. Like respect to Donovan Peoples Jones, but if if I see this man Baker target him one more time, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I don't think that I don't think Baker Mayfield is a very good quarterback. So I think that him throwing the ball to OBJ, which a lot of times you throw the ball and let OBJ go get it, he really doesn't know what to do there. He's got to hit someone who's wide, wide, wide open, or he ain't making the throw. And Peoples-Jones is just someone that, you know, is open because people are watching Hunt out of the backfield, Chubb out of the backfield, and Joku, Hooper, OBJ, Landry, and then you have Peoples-Jones at the end of the list who's wide open, and he knows it. He's, he's just not a good quarterback. Um, I like the Browns more in this game. I really don't know what to bet in it, but we do talk about these games. I think that their downfield is going to open up. They could be without both starting tackles. This could just be one of those ugly, ugly, like nine to seven games. We'll see. Do we know if Teddy's uh, playing? But, I, I know he was questionable, but I haven't yeah. seen if he's going. Oh, I'm, The last report I read is that he is going to play. Yeah, I like the Broncos. Um, yeah, one's the, the the top the top line for this is one starting quarterback is limping and the other has his arm in a sling. That's 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 where we start with this fucking game. So it is a big game for both teams. Both teams are three and three. The loser of this game's three and four, and it's going to be a struggle for them the rest of the way. But it is not a good game. Uh, we transition into Sunday. They're, again, a slew of just ugly fucking game. Falcons and Dolphins, Panthers and Giants, Jets, Patriots, Washington, Green Bay, Lions, Rams, a little golf revenge game, Bears, Bucks, Eagles, Raiders, Texans, Cardinals. Yikes, 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 yikes. But sandwiched in between all that, somehow the NFL got two really fucking good games and they put them both at one. Of o'clock. course they did. 
I know. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to head into the Tennessee Titans. Titans coming off a short week, but luckily at home. The Chiefs really did not play well against Washington until late in the game, and then they pulled it out. What are your chances here going against Tennessee, uh, the Chiefs? And I'm going to say this as a starting point. You are capable of beating anyone the way you beat the Buffalo Bills. So how do you feel about this? I need to know a little bit more about the the secondary's health. Uh, if you watch Monday night, you saw that the Titans oh, got yeah. down to their sixth string corner, sixth string corner. And so if we're going to be trotting out six string corners against Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, it might be a long day. That being said, the Titans always play the Chiefs pretty well, and the Chiefs look a little wounded right now. At least that defense looks fucking terrible. Uh, so I'm going to say big game for Derrick Henry again. I say 150-plus uh, yards, two touchdowns. Titans win another close one. I I think that the Titans are going to be in a good position. Titans are getting five and a half points here. I'm going to jump on that now. I love the five and a half. I really have a tough time thinking the Chiefs are just going to wreck the ship instantly on the road and make this happen. I think the Chiefs actually have some issues. It's still early, and, the, and, the, and they're still high-powered. By the way, no one scores more points on average per drive than Kansas City. Their big problem this year is their turnovers, and that is I think because they are running that car so red hot. The defense cannot stop anyone. The offense has to be full throttle. I think this is a game that the Titans... I actually was surprised the Bills didn't try to take more advantage of the Titans through the air. Um, they kind of ran the ball a little much with a bunch of random running backs, and it cost them at times. And other times, it just made them a little funky. Uh, but I think that the 5.5 for the Titans are getting is plenty. On the flip side of that... My Baltimore Ravens are hosting the upstart 4-2 Cincinnati Bengals who are playing good football. They are playing good football. They are playing educated football led by some a little bit of analytics. Not a ton, but a little bit of analytics. Uh, they have a defense that is ferocious, runs around hot. They have playmakers on every level of their offense, even though I think Joe Burrow has a weak arm. Baltimore, I think, can hold its ground in this game. Bengals are getting six and a half, which is a lot of points for, for you know, what we're expecting. I'm tempted to take the Bengals here, plus those six and a half. The Ravens' defense is playing a little better. Joe Burrow's offensive line, if it cannot hold up, we will kill that man uh, with OA and Houston with the interior that is getting better with Matabuke and Williams. So I think the Ravens can hold their own here against the Bengals. I think the six and a half is a little disrespectful, though. Huge AFC North divisional matchup. Uh, I really wish that the NFL would have either put this game in prime time or put it in the afternoon or something because obviously I'm going to be watching Titans Chiefs, but I might have to set up another TV to watch Ravens Bengals. I haven't really been a believer in the Bengals this season, uh, but this is the game that I'm kind of looking at as a, a prove-it game. If they can come out, I don't even necessarily need them to get a win, but if they can come out and give Baltimore a really good run and maybe make it uh, a close uh, one-score game in the last possession, you know, something like that, then this would be a team that I'm looking at, you know, as a potential wild-card team is dangerous. Uh, but this is going to be their... Their their Cinderella moment, I guess. I I I want to see what they got when the light is shining, because this this matchup right here is the biggest game that they might play all year. Yeah, I they you know they're gonna get us at home. They get Cleveland. They get they get Pittsburgh. 
I think the Bengals are, are going to be a good feisty team. They could be building something really nice for the future. Uh, you know, and the Ravens, it's the cardiac Ravens this fucking year. That was last week was the first real week we won. And again, there were a lot going into that. Some people point to the uh, body clock of athletes when they show up for a one o'clock game on the East Coast. They're used to it being 10 a.m. There's a lot of that. I think you got to get ready however you get ready. But it, it will be exciting. I, I think it'll be a good match. I think both these games are going to be fun, and then everyone can just sit back and kind of watch the rest of the day on The nap the rest uh, of the we'll day is what I'm going to do after that 1 p.m. slate. There's nothing I, in the afternoon that I, I want to watch. There are some – so in the 4 o'clock slate, now why the NFL didn't put one of these games to 4 o'clock beyond me. But here's some of the 4 o'clock games. The Lions and the Rams play. The The Rams are 15-point favorites. The Texans and the Cardinals play. The Cardinals are 17-and-a-half-point favorites. And the Bears and the Buccaneers play. They are 12-and-a-half-point favorites. There is a Eagles-Raiders, if I can interest you in old soup. But the other three games – I mean, this is disrespectful to all of us, I think. No, nah, it sounds like three easy picks to throw into your parlay if that's what you want to do, at least on a money line. Yeah. I, I'm going to turn around and three-team tease them, turn the Rams into five, the Cardinals into seven and a half, and the Buccaneers into two and a half. I think that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> and walk um, to the bank happily. And we'll probably walk to the bank. Uh, Colts 49ers. It's a Sunday night game. This is just a wolf and a half. You're going to be a little interested, hoping the 49ers can keep the Colts down. Colts move to two and five, and they're out of the division race. If they can get a three and four, if they get the three and four, and Kansas City beats Tennessee, you know, you guys do still play them one more time, so it's at least intriguing. But Colts 49ers, 49ers coming off a bye. I don't really know what to expect. The Colts have been playing better, but. They really haven't been playing anyone. I mean, they played us decently, but, you know, we know how that ended. Um, what, what are your kind of thoughts here? Anything you're looking forward to in this game, or you just kind of hope the Colts get beat up and thrown in the trash? Uh, I will be watching Warriors versus Kings uh, on Sunday night instead of that Colts game because that sounds disgusting. Uh, so I, I'm going to go ahead and switch to the NBA once we get to Sunday night football and just hope that I check my phone the next day and the Colts lost. Yeah, I think that that's what's going to happen. Then the Monday night game, New Orleans and Seattle. This looked intriguing at the beginning of the year. Jameis Winston and, you know, who was, you know, what we're going to get with the Saints is Taysom Mills and Jameis Winston. But as we've now gotten closer, this is another primetime game with fucking Jameis Winston and Geno Smith. So, holy shit, NFL. You really fucked us with these with these fucking games. You, you had good intentions. The over-under in Sunday night is 44. The over-under this is 43. It will not be a high-scoring affair. It doesn't mean it won't be entertaining. Uh, in this game, Leo, over-under four turnovers. So. I'm going to go with the unexpected and say under. I'm I'm gonna say over. I think it's gonna be an ugly fucking game. I think the ball's gonna be on the carpet. I will be watching uh, this I, one. I, I had to pick up Jameis Winston because I got wrecked by buys, like you were saying earlier, uh, yeah. and I have a lot of Camara. So I, I will be watching this one. I will be interested, and I really hope that it goes way over. I think this is a game that could stay low scoring because they run the ball a lot, but we'll see. Uh, it, it at least. I don't think it has any impact on playoff seeding anyway. I think these teams will fade down the stretch. But No, this is a fantasy-only right. matchup. 
fantasy only. Uh, any parting thoughts before we get out of here? If the Chiefs lose to the Titans this Sunday, I'm going to be insufferable when we do this pod next week. A 5-2 and two Titans team would have me chomping at the bit, frothing at the mouth, drooling all over the place. Uh, so uh, be on alert because if the Titans get this W, I'm going to come on here talking some reckless shit next week. I think they're going to be real close to getting it done. Um, I, like I said, I'm going to take the five and a half. Uh, oh yeah, you went out to San Diego. You saw my brother. How was that? It was great. Yeah, I love, I love brother. Uh, I love that. Uh, I can't speak. <laughs> I love your brother, Andy. <laughs> uh, it, it was he's, great. He's an interesting cat. We met. We met up one night at a bar over there. He met uh, met some of my friends. We hung out, had a couple of drinks, watched Thursday night football together. Actually, uh, what's actually funny is that two nights later. I go to a bar, and I accidentally run into Andy. <laughs> <laughs> really? That wasn't even really planned. Good. I accidentally run into him, and, yeah. and we had a couple of drinks. We had a great time. Uh, San Diego, beautiful. Like, maybe the beautiful. most beautiful city I've ever seen. It's kind of – it's definitely a gem. Like, you don't hear about it, but when you go there, dude, it's incredible. You're like, this. there's a view everywhere, everywhere. of of the – of everywhere it's insane i was at random it's dive insane. bars and looking out the window amazing view of the beach and the water and i'm just like what yeah. what is this place <laughs> how do i, I move here it's some crazy shit i know that's why he moved look he moved we we took a vacation out there and then he moved out there we took a vacation for christmas out there we we're like oh, when you go out there for christmas and andy was like i'm gonna move out here <laughs> and he did and he fucking I respect did it. he was like ah yeah. That's exactly how said, I felt. I'm out of here. Exactly how I felt. I'm walking yeah. around like, yeah, I, I got to make like way more money and and come here. I need to be here. That's it's gorgeous. San Diego is nice the reason that Kawhi uh, Kawhi Leonard wanted to sign with the Clippers. You know, he lives in San Diego and he just I think he he travels up Oof. to L. A. for the games. And now I get it. I get it now. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's fucking gorgeous. All right, man. Good talking to you. Take us on out. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pick and Play Show for the boy Gordo. My name is Leo. As usual, man, make sure that you rate, subscribe, review. Most importantly, share this thing with a friend. We want to continue to grow, uh, and you guys are helping us do that. We appreciate you. Sorry for the late upload this week. There was a little miscommunication in sending the files, but uh, we'll be better next week, and we'll see you next week. I get no kick from champagne. Alcohol doesn't thrill me at all So tell me why shouldn't it be true I get a kick out of